Brothers and sisters, it is so good to see you. I hope it's mutual, and we, <laughs> we experience, uh, you know, sometimes away, I want to assure you, we're not moving to Florida, so, yet. Uh, no, but we're not. We're here, and I'm, I'm really glad to see you. And uh, many of you came up and said, well, we missed you, and it just feels good, feels good. I hope you... Uh, Enjoy the time you've been here, uh, pastors ministering to you. So this morning, I want to encourage your heart in our short meeting, but I want to turn to the Word of God and, and to see how can our heart could be revived in the times of trials, time of trials. All of us, some point in our lives, we sometimes not sure if we have strength to go on. Feeling devastated sometimes, with no way out, but there's no hope, there's no light, everything is so dark and gloomy that you might think, is this, this is over, and you're ready to give up, and you're ready to quit on your relationship, on your church, on your work, and whatever are you dealing with. But the Bible says, and if you're in that crowd, this message is for you today, if you have experience for last week or last maybe month or last year, trials, hard times that you find that there's no strength, almost no hope, the Bible has a word for us, a very encouraging word. The Bible says that we are strong, that there is strength in us. In fact, over 500 times the Bible repeats the word strength, strengthen it. And there's a wonderful passage that we're going to go to, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. You could go there right now. That talks about the strength and resilience of Christian. Strength and resilience of Christian that keeps us going in our daily strength. In the 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is the book. It's the most most autobiographical book of Paul. In this book, he opens his heart and he shows his struggles as an apostle, his sufferings, his heartaches, his trouble. And as you read, it's just full of it. In chapter 4, we're going to read to it. In chapter 11, he says, we are beaten, we are struggling, we are dying. There's a target on our head. But it doesn't have this feel of doom and gloom, this book. It has a feel of triumphant. You know, Paul is like Nivalashka or Vankovstanka or Weebly. You know what Weebly is? You know, this toy that has bottom weight and no, no matter how knock, you, know, you knock it down, it just brings it springs back to life. It just goes back. You cannot put, put it to sleep. It's always standing. Paul is like that. He's such a resilient Christian that he springs back to life no matter what comes his way. So as we read this passage, I want to start with reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verses 8 to 11 just to set a context to show that Paul was not a kindergartner in the school of sufferings. He knew the sufferings. He knew trouble. He knew afflictions. <laughs> Everywhere he turns, 
Every corner, it was just a problem. In fact, it was so much problem that the Christians accused him saying, you must not be spiritual enough because you have problems in every kind of relationship. You must not be blessed by God. Something is wrong with you, Paul. Look at this. But Paul is a resilient person, and he says, verse 8, he says, we are afflicted in every way. Now, you could relate to that, afflicted. Sometimes we get afflicted. Pressed down, you know, like this coffee, when you do the espresso and you press it down. He said, we are pressed down, but he said, but not crushed. (laughs) We are not squashed, squished, we are not mushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. He said, perplexed, meaning we're confused. We do not know what is happening, why it's happening at this moment, but we're not confused, he said. We're not despairing, same word. He said, we, we are not completely confused because we know what God is doing. He said, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Harassed at every corner, yet not forsaken by God. We're struck down, but not destroyed. You can't get rid of us. You can't knock us down and evaporate us completely. He said, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. Targets on our foreheads. At every corner, we're ready to die, he said, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Ready to have every moment the last one. Now, are you in this company? Do you feel sometimes like you're pressed, suppressed and ready to be destroyed? I want to tell you that Paul is not the super Christian. He was not just one of a kind. You know, he is this like wibbly first person who, who would never be destroyed because of him, something special. Every Christian is resilient in the heart. Every Christian is resilient in temptation when he relies on God. There's a great power that lives in us. There's a great spirit that protects us from the extinction, from losing hope, from being lost. The power of good news, of God's promise in us is so strong that you would never be destroyed. I want to assure you that. The power assures us that the good things are coming that we'll never be lost, that we're always children of God. No matter what comes your way, you have the strength to deal with that. Now, I mentioned this word resilient before we go to our passage. The definition of resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. The ability to spring back into shape Resilience is not about not to be knocked down. The resilience is about to come up. In Proverbs 24, it says that righteous will fall seven times, but he will rise up. And Paul says, look, we do not lose heart. Because of that, we do not lose heart. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, therefore, since we have ministry, this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. And in verse 16, he repeats the same phrase, therefore, we do not lose heart. Congregation, please do not lose heart. You have the ability not to lose heart because of God. 
Now, the main point of these verses we're going to read, and I'll tell you, verse 16 to 18, let's read it together. Are you there? Good. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, I want to give you why, four reasons why we cannot lose heart. Four reasons. Number one is reason. Number one is that a resilient heart relies on the power of God and not on the power of man. A heart relying on God never could be lost whatever trouble comes. Resilient heart focuses on the power of God that is in us. Paul's resilience is not in himself. In chapter 4, same passage, same chapter of Corinthians, verse 7, he says, I understand who I am. He said, but we have this treasure in earthly vessels. You know what earthly vessels? It's a jar of clay. It's very shattering. It's very, very unstable, very, very weak. If you, if you drop it from three feet, it will be just shattered in pieces. Paul said, look, the power that as a, make us able to withstand anything comes our way, it is not in us. It is not us. We know our flesh, but it says, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. You know, so this is the different message from help self books and help self material. Like you could do it. Just look into yourself and you will have the power. No, you have none. The very first point you have to realize who you are But the second thing, cling to God who he is because he is in you. Paul's hope of the power of God not in him. He said, verse 14 in chapter chapter 4, verse 14, go with me, and says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus raised us also with Jesus and will present us with him. Jesus rose again because Father rose him by his power. Now, this is... This is a ridiculous thought to think that we could do something in our flesh. Let me ask you a question. Can your flesh produce something after your death? Can you help yourself to resurrect yourself after you die? Therefore, you have no power. But power of God does. And it's promised to us that it will do. Therefore, we let us keep our, fix, our eyes fixed on Jesus, who did it, who was resurrected, who died on the cross and resurrected by the power of God. And therefore, we keep trusting God and resting on him and on his power and not on ourselves. We keep keeping on. We're going on no matter what happens, even the death comes our way. We know what's after after the power of God is so strong that revives us. So if God could revive you after you die, can he help you now in the times of trouble and affliction? Realize that you have zero power, but the power belongs to God, to spirit. 
our flesh, our old man. We cannot produce anything spiritual. We are like the wrong kind of factor. We produce idols, idolatry, and all stuff. We cannot produce anything spiritual. But God does. Where is our strength? Our strength is in the power of God. Paul says, do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. It's a self-testimony. It's my testimony. I do not lose heart because I have the power of God in me. Paul lose some sleep over some things, but he did not lose his heart. Paul lost his friends, but he did not lose his heart. Paul lost the skin on his back, but he did not lose his heart. Finally, Paul lost his life, but he did not lose his heart. As long as he has the promise of God that dwells in him, nothing could be changed. We can't take away from this. When we are tempted to lose heart and be just losing the motivation to serve, losing the motivation to love, losing the motivation to go to church, losing the motivation to look at the brothers and and sisters' eyes. It's because we have wrong focus. We focus on our flesh, and our flesh betrayed us because your flesh cannot produce anything spiritual. But resilience comes from trusting on God's power. Realize that your faith is unshakable. It is immovable. It is undestructible. Faith that God gave you, the birth that God gave you from the beginning will lead you to final glorification and eternal life. Can I have amen on that? Amen. Amen. So the main point of this passage is that the heart relying on God is resilient in time of trouble. Resilient. You will be springing back no matter how much you've been knocked down. The point number two in verse 16, resilient heart focuses on the spiritual, not physical. The heart that trusts the Lord has a vision on the spiritual things, not physical. This is our problem. We look at the wrong things and then get discouraged. Verse 16 says, therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Now, two solid truth here. Just listen carefully. Number one, you're gonna die. And you now are decaying, you're on the way there. That's just, I don't have to prove it to you, you just have to believe it, you just have to look at your, at your mirror and, and you open your you know, iCloud with pictures and just look 10 years ago. And you say, well, yeah, that, that's for sure, we, we're decaying, we're decaying. But the same truth, and exactly same assurance that your inner man is being renewed day by day. As sure as you are going to decay, this is the same assurance that you are growing every day on the inside. Isn't it amazing? Now, look at this. That our, our, though our inner man is decaying, how we don't lose heart when, our, when we are dying and we're suffering and when you lose an eyesight and hearing and joints start ache and when you go and preach the gospel and people reject you, when you teach your child and child is rebelling, how are you not losing heart in this world that is just passing away? It's by focusing on spiritual. If you focus on this world, you'll be, you'll be very discouraged. Sometimes we have to turn the TV off 
with the, all the news about, about all the politicians and masks and stuff so that not be discouraged. Just look, shut it off. Look at the scripture, what God promises you, what the spiritual reality, what is he doing in us? It's amazing how much we spend time and money on restoring and refreshing this other man, which is decaying. $62 billion spent in the United States alone on cosmetics. Can you, it's like $62 billion. And the, the amazing part is not how much we spend, but that it, it doesn't work. This is the, that's amazing. We keep spending. We're spending. And the best case scenario after you do the Botox and lips and, and the skin and cut off some fat and stuff, the best case scenario, even if you spend billions, you're going to lay in a casket, look like you're young, but dead on the inside. That's a losing proposition. Do you want to invest in that? Do you want to focus on that? You will be super disappointed looking at this dis- disappearing world, disappearing body. I mean, of course, there's something good that comes. I read some funny thing about good. when we age, there's some cos- kind of positive aspects with it. People say, like, for example, in a hostage situation, you are likely to be released first. Or if you live in a, like a senior citizen kind of neighborhood, you could throw a party and neighbors don't even realize it. Your investment in health insurance is finally beginning to pay off. And this is my favorite. And your secrets are safe with your friends because they can't remember them either. <laughs> but the problem is not just our bodies. It's our outer, outer man, it's just the whole man with all your mentality and all this unredeemed stuff, it's passing away. You can't redeem the unredeemed things. Everything, it's not just like soul in the body. Everything in you that is not inner man, it's not spirit, it's just decaying. It's like the groceries that we left in in a refrigerator. After a month, we come in, open the refrigerator, and it smells bad, it's decayed. This is who we are. This is your, your destination. But he said, as sure as that, how do you have comfort in that? How do you not lose heart when you age and you pain and you suffer and you have rejection and nobody understands you? How do you have this encouragement, resilience? Is by looking at what God does on the inside. Now, you might not see it because it's kind of secret, But believe that, that when you've been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and he does his work by his spirit. He does his work by his spirit. He rebirthed you. Look at this very encouraging word in verse 16. He said, yet our our inner man is being renewed day by day. Yet, yet. It's not a conditional statement. Like if you do A plus B plus C equals that. If you don't do that, that's not going to happen. It's not conditional. He said, you are being renewed. You are being renewed. That's happening. Tony Evans said, God designed your life as Christian to get younger on the inside and you get older on the outside. And I like that. I like that. Look at my, my mirror and say, well, you're getting younger. I look at my wife yesterday and say, well, you are looking more beautiful today than 31 years ago when I met you. 
She said, explain. <laughs> so wait for, for the sermon. The best part in this change, transformation on the inside, the best part for me is that it says in the passive tense, it says, it doesn't say your inner man, inner man renewed itself. It says it's being renewed. It's being renewed. Look, it's a messy process. You might look at your life today and say, well, I don't feel like I've been renewed. I don't see. I don't understand. I think I'm going down. I think I'm going to have a different trajectory. But God said, no, no. The trajectory is this way. Sometimes we could look 10 years back and say, well, yeah, I'm kind of a different person now. I don't feel it this way. But believing in the word of God, that's what he says. That's the only place where he said it. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, earlier, if you flip there, he says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Sound like, okay, let's do this. I'm going to transform myself. Look, if you can't resurrect yourself, if you can't even help your body, like, like you don't have strength to change your body, it's decaying. Do you, do you think you have strength to help your spirit? Like, do you think you could actually change yourself into eternal? We need the grace of God. Now, it doesn't mean that the secret work of God would just lay down, put our feet up, sip our iced tea, and just do nothing. You can't do that either. Because the production of God's change in you changes your mind. When you look at, this, at the scripture and say, well, this is what God is doing with me? If you look at first uh, three chapters of Ephesians, there's no commands there that this do in doing that. There's an expression of what God did. And when you look at that, you see, amazing. You could do so much more for me. And you get up and you go and you serve and you do not lose heart. Our resilience to live forever does not come from our ability to sanctify ourselves or to make ourselves change men, but it solely comes from the power of God working relentlessly in us. Why we get disappointed in our sanctification? Because sometimes we try to do it by flesh, and we fail. But we go back to Scripture and renew our mind and see an amazing power of transforming spirit. Look, the Word of God is the key here. Faith is very active thing. Faith seeks God where he could be found. It seeks him often. Faith does not, it feeds on the word of God. It tells us what he's doing. You know, if you have not picked up your Bible for a long time, you know, chances are you forgot what he's he's doing. You'll be discouraged. He revealed himself through us, uh, through the scripture. A living faith clings to God, rests on him, trusts him, no matter what happens. The heart resilient, resilience of heart comes from resting on Christ. And it makes you resilient in time of trouble. Number three, verse 17. It helps us to stay strong and not to lose heart when we focus on the future and not on the present. So 
we focus on the power of God, not on your power. That's how you get revived. You focus on the spiritual rather than the physical, and that's how you get stronger. And you focus on the future rather than the present. Verse 17 says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Now he's considering here. He said, look, a moment, he, he, he describes these afflictions that you have, this sufferings, this pain, this rejection, this loneliness and stuff. He said, well, this is light and momentary. And you would say, well, Paul, you do not know what you're talking about because you do not know what I'm going through. But Paul says, look, no matter what you're going through, I went through some other hard stuff, like 40 men decide not to eat and drink until they kill me. I mean, try to live through that. But I'm not trying to diminish our problems. The thing is that you have promise of God that is a momentary in light. That's how he defines it. You know, momentary, it's just really quickly. I mean, how many times even we, like six months ago, you couldn't sleep about this thing and just bother you. Today, you just, it's like, ah, that's not a big deal. Just six months passed. How many ladies, it's amazing, they have childbirth and then after two years, like horrible pain, fear, and and sufferings. And then after a couple of months, they say, ready to, to have it again. It's like, in comparison, what you receive, this is just momentary and it's very light. Why Paul calls it light? Well, probably two reasons. Number one is because it's light to what you, in comparison to what you deserve, really, and I. Like, I like Paul Kucherenka. He, I ask him always, like, how you doing? And he always gives me the same answer. Better than I deserve. Amen, brother, for sure. But the probably what he is, is meaning here that light in comparison to the heaviness of the glory. Like if you put all of your troubles in one bag, like big bag, and put it on the scale, Paul says it's not even comparing to the weight. The word for glory in Hebrew, it's like heavy. To the weight of the glory that will be given to you because you have suffered. There is a connection between your sufferings and your glory. We, hold, we call it like no gain, no pain, no gain, right? This is so true for eternal reality. There is no glory without the pain. Every drop of tear that you dropped, even suffering for Christ or not, just as being decaying in your body, be assured that that produces great stuff, glory, eternal glory, light, heavy, Momentary, eternal. It's amazing. It's unfair. It's unfair to suffer that little to receive that much. Sometimes we ask this question, oh Lord, why is this happening to me? I didn't deserve it. Why is this coming in my way? But God said, look at the purpose for sufferings. Look at the purpose for sufferings. The purpose for sufferings are working for you. And so instead of pitying ourselves, we look at the sufferings as an opportunity to gain. This is such a great investment. It's not like you invest a dollar and then get 100x. 
It's just infinite amount of glory. Infinite amount of glory. Preaching the gospel, Paul knows that he suffers a lot, but what he says that I'm dying, but you're living. We're producing life. And at the end, as Peter would tell us, that God himself will give us this glory. He will glorify you. Do you know that, Christian? That Christ himself will glorify you when he sees you in the resurrected body. We are being glorified. Amazing. Praise the Lord. First Peter says, and this you greatly rejoice, even though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith be more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, and may be found to result, check this out, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We will receive the honor and glory and praise from Jesus because you suffered for me. But it's also all kind of sufferings producing eternal glory. Now, if we are grumbling in all this, we're just wasting the opportunity. It's like, I do not know why, what's happening. You're just so bitter that you're just so in your, in your bubble. You don't want to see anyone. You're just wasting the opportunity to gain the glory. Paul says, it's an amazing reality that in our sufferings to see it as a glorious thing. Here's a takeaway from this point. When we're losing our hearts in the times of trouble, it's because we see sufferings as end of it, the end of itself. There's nothing behind it. We don't see it as the means to glory. Focusing on the future and not being bogged down and depressed because we don't have this glory yet now doesn't mean that we have to be distressed. We have strength to go on. God encourages us to go on and serve here on earth. God encourages us to trust him in good times and in bad times. Because the bad times, bad times, he said, it's better for you. It's working for you. Now, what a perspective. What a perspective to encourage yourself with the word of God, saying you have the power that is unbeatable, and it's in me. You have the spiritual work done in me that it's just, it doesn't depend on me. You're going to produce that. And then the future is bright. Resilient heart rests on the power of God, focuses on the spiritual thing, and not dwelling on the present but looks into the future and dwells in the eternal and not temporal. The fourth and final point from verse 18. Focus on the eternal, not the temporal. Focus on the eternal. It says, verse 18, while we look now at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Look not at the things which are seen. What is the strange command? What is a strange statement? How can this be? But notice he's not saying, look at the things that are not there. 
he said, look at the things that you cannot see or it's unseen. Anybody know this, you know, finding Waldo? You know, it's kind of old-fashioned, finding Waldo. You know, this little uh, man with the striped hat and just hidden in the picture. There's like all sorts of cluster there. And it's kind of hard to see him. So when you open first page and you see try to find Waldo, you know he's there. You, you know for sure, but you're just irritated because you can't find him. He just looks like everything else, blending in. It's because there's a lot of cluster that in between you and the Waldo. When, when we look at the spiritual reality in eternity, we have to kind of go through this clutter of this present physical stuff, temporal stuff to see the eternal. And I tell you, you have the supernatural vision to do that as a Christian. Every Christian has the supernatural vision to look at that. We can see what is not seen at the first glance. Look, if you don't see it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. If you don't see God, it doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. If you don't see his love, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's just that you need to put the faith and glasses of faith and look. There's a funny story about a man who was, he was stopped by the gas station and asked that the attendant would wash his windshield. And so he washed his windshield and wiped it out. And he said, look, you did a horrible job. It's still dirty. So he did it again. He said, my man, you just don't know how to do it. Please redo it. After which his wife took his glasses from his nose, wiped it out, and apparently... It was his glasses that was all dirty. Sometimes we look at the things through this lens and prism of this world, and this is it, that's all we have, and not look at the eternal. It's all about focus. What do you see when the cloud of trouble come in your way? What do you feel? What do you focus on? I know what God wants us to see. Through this storm and cloud, he wants us to see the sun, the eternal reality. You know, I wear my glasses now when I read my Bible. When I don't have my Bible, you probably witnessed that, I read all sorts of stuff. It's just not there. My brain trying to figure out what word is this. Like, I have never seen this word in the Bible. In fact, no, nowhere. But when I put my glasses, I start to see clearly his promises for me, his love for me, his kindness for me, his gentleness, his patience, his wisdom. They're all real. You know, Road to glory is a messy process. You might not notice it, but you have to believe it, that it's there. You are in the process of being transformed and being glorified. And that keeps us going. Keeps us going. Paul says, unseen are eternal. Seen things are temporal. What are some invisible things that we have to focus on? Things like God, right? God is like you can't see him, but you have to trust him, that he's there. Love, you can't touch love. Can you touch love? Kindness, it doesn't have color. 
like to spot it. Patience, it doesn't have taste. What are we talking about? We're talking about eternal things that's going to be always there. Faith, but it becomes visible all of a sudden when you become forgiven and you feel it and you know it's, it's real. When somebody extends love to you and you say, man, I know it's real. I know. When you look up with a heart full of faith and God's promises, there will come in the future things like life eternal, heavenly Jerusalem, seeing Jesus face to face, clinging to his chest, seeing your relatives who passed away, seeing God glorifying you as a child. These things keep us going. We don't lose heart. No opposition, no stumbling, no sin, nothing could stop Christian. A heart relying on God is resilient in a time of trouble. I'm going to finish with this. You are stronger than you think because of God in you. You are never, you are newer than you think, newer, younger, because you are renewed day by day. Your sufferings are not in vain. It's just not like, okay, it doesn't mean anything. I'm just suffering for no reason because they are producing eternal weight of glory. And you have a supernatural vision of your faith that is able to see the unseen and the unrealized promises of God. So keep on keeping on. Don't lose heart. Don't quit. Look up. Live a life of faith. Rely on God. Be strong. Be firm. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Peter said, but resist Satan firm in your faith. How can we do that? Paul says, therefore be my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And we could turn this experience into actually service. When you get up, you've been bound down, but, and you've been just depressed, and there are seasons, and you look at Christ and not God and his promises, and you get up. You could go and help others to do the same to refocus on God. There's a newspaper article about a woman in Jackson, Tennessee, whose little baby had died from a rare disease. She has since become a counselor helping couples who face such losses. And she told in the reporter, when it happened, you feel like you can't go on. But God gave me the strength to go on. I feel like God has given me that way to help other people live with it. That's kind of mission, to help other people go on as you're dealing with your troubles. May the Lord bless us. Father, we thank you for your kindness toward us, your promises, your power. We're not going to be lost, for sure. Every Christian who been born by the Spirit of God, no matter how messy the life is now, how, how horrible and how depressed we may be, we are looking toward you and we are renewed. 
and the power of God to go on because that's our destiny. Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.